With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome. <laughs> We're okay here at the That's Good Broncos podcast. Will Keys co-hosting with me. Uh, shitty 24-hour span here for the Denver Broncos. Von Miller injury, the big news. We've got a real football game coming up. So today we're going to talk about what the Broncos can do without Von Miller. Uh, some coping techniques to help you sort of get through this uh, time of mourning, really. And... Uh, we will talk about some of the surprises on the Broncos depth chart. We haven't got to that. Akeem Talib retired, and yeah, we'll talk a little Broncos Titans. But uh, I actually broke the news to you about the Von Miller injury, right, Will? What? What? what yeah. How did you find out? So, I, I just like to mention too the sky here. It's a weird tent in my room too, because the sky here is uh, a, a bizarre shade of orange. It's 1.41 in the afternoon. The sky is orange, as if in mourning for our fallen king. Yeah. Von Miller's not dead, but, but the, the, the globe is, he, is he probably showing actually no fell. What's that? Yeah. He did fall, I guess. When you hurt your ankle, I assume you fall over. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way I found out was I was on Twitter, and the first tweet I saw was, there is no God from you. account. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, what happened? <laughs> I'm just, like, praying that it's, like, not something too bad. But then again, when it elicits that kind of reaction from you, I was not uh, expecting anything too good. And um, it turned out it was close to the worst possible scenario. I yeah, think it was, it was there bad. are a couple other players where you could have been like, oh, fuck, this, is, this might be worse. But in yeah. the top three, two or three. I think the, the the top three you would assume would be Drew Locke, Von Miller, and maybe like Cortland Sutton, where you'd just be I was, like – Yeah, I would say Sutton and maybe like Chubb just because he missed all of last year. Yeah. It would have really sucked. Um, yeah, Locke. Locke's always going to be number one as long as he's playing quarterback. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I devastating news, obviously, for everyone involved. Um, yeah. We, I mean – channeled- the spirit of Daniel Day-Lewis in complete agony. Great video, I thought, by you. So check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, Will found uh, me the, the Daniel Day-Lewis uh, compilation of screams from his movies. It's uh, so video good. is just called Daniel Day-Lewis, and it's just him screaming. And it's it, it was honestly really cathartic after something like that. Yeah, um, yeah you did a good job with the video. I was honestly – um, you never know because, like, after you have a child, what people say is, like, it puts things in perspective. And I'm glad nothing has been put into perspective for you. And, like, this is still a massive deal, which it should be. Yeah. It, uh, 
they say like it changes you, but really you just uh, become responsible for a human. And uh, it's like the most special thing that can happen to you in your life. But you also yeah. think about the fact that there's what, eight or nine billion people on this planet. So it's literally like the least impressive thing two people can do. Like anybody can make a baby. So it's, uh, I, and I like, I've, I've already mentioned my baby several times in all of my videos. Uh, I'm sure that's going to annoy people. I'm going to try not to be overly proud of uh, my daughter. Uh, if anything, like last night, I'm up at 1 a.m. feeding her and uh, I didn't have my shirt on. And when I would take the bottle away, she would try to like breastfeed on me. I'm like, if this baby's trying to get nipple through layers and layers of chest hair, I don't have high hopes for her chances of like getting into Harvard. So I'm going to try to keep a realistic perspective about, you know, how special my kid is. And not that's, where, that's where our friends at uh, Manscaped can help. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, yeah, I guess I could just shave my, I mean, it would just confuse her more though. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's there for a reason. Yeah. That's the reason men have hair on their chest. So the babies it's don't get confused. It's to, yeah, it's to help the help the babies distinguish between mother and father. Um, and but yeah, we we came up with some coping techniques. Um, not for being a father, help. but for dealing no, with no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, that'll help <laughs> coping techniques for being a father. Um, I think this was ex you know extremely useful at a time like this. And um, what do you do after you lose your best player other than, um, you know, drop to your knees and, and worry that the season's over? I think we've got some alternatives. So you want to kick it off? Yeah. Uh, so th the first te technique to cope with the loss of one of your favorite or best players is pretty obvious, drugs and alcohol. In yeah. states where drugs are legal, Gotta mm -hmm. say that. Gotta say that for the censors out there. But um, just, you know, pick one and drink until you, you forget that football even exists. There's a way to do it. And if you want to go crazy, do them both at the same time. Yeah. Then you'll but really I'll... forget. Not only will you forget the injury, you'll forget just about everything. Your mortgage, uh, your energy bill. Picking what up you your did, kid from school. What you were doing that night. <laughs> yeah. Um, Number two, what do you got that, there, Will? After that comes denial. Just yeah. pretend it didn't happen. Um, I, I think this one is pretty obvious. Um, and it, a lot of people say it's the first thing that comes uh, in, the, in the grieving process. But um, I, I think it's, it's natural and it's healthy to just close your eyes and cover your ears and be like nope this isn't happening for what's as long as you can what's that noise happening oh shit they're, pa they're painting outside of my house oh. no, no way okay what's, what's, oh. uh, we can wait a little bit because i'm yeah was it's okay it, we can't control that uh i just didn't you were moving a lot so i didn't know if you were like hitting something oh no i'm this not fucking guy, first they waited till Right. Now they they, they want to paint during our pod. 
That's okay. Fuck it. We're just going to go. We're going to go through it because the, the, the number three way to, to cope is with, this is really funny, amateur medical analysis. So I yeah. think you, you got inspired by this, Will, uh, by seeing a lot of uh, Twitter experts explaining Von Miller's injury before they even knew exactly what his injury was. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, we had no idea really just that it was his ankle. And when people hear ankle and injury, it's, oh, well, he just sprained it really bad. So he should be back in about two to four weeks. Um, and so we'll just kind of go with that until proven. <laughs> Literally. I don't know why you have to nail on the wall while you're painting. But, and again, I'm not, I'm not a painter. Yo, this is the uh, one painting crew that paints with nails out here in Sacktown. You want your house done right? We're going to paint it with fucking nails, you cocksucker. It's, like, it's, it's like the Mitch Hedberg joke. Go around. There is no door there. It's a wall. Um, yeah, well, I would say, yeah, uh, coping technique number four, just have someone uh, hammer a nail into your head. Yeah, while painting somehow. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, number four. Yeah, number four, uh, talk, talking yourself into the backups or considering every washed-up free agent available as a perfect replacement. Yep, shout-out to 38-year-old Cameron, Cameron Wake, 38-year-old Terrell Suggs, and uh, my favorite, my personal favorite, Shane Ray. <laughs> Bring Shane Ray back. Bring All Shane disgust. Ray X-rated back. All disgust. That has uh, possibilities there. Yeah. Um, and then your number five, I don't endorse this, but um, if you're really, really having a tough time, and I would, I would wait until the team sucks to do this, but secretly rooting for another contender. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's time you have a, a backup plan as a fan. Uh, you know, there, there's some teams out there you could uh, hedge your, your identity in secretly, like the Ravens or somebody sort of, uh, you know, it's not going to ruffle Broncos fans' feathers if they somehow found out. So it's uh, it's a coping mechanism. We had right. four solid ones, and we needed a fifth, so that's really why that's there. Um, did, you, were, were you, did you have another one in mind, or are we just going to end with that one? I would just double down on drugs and alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> just circle back to one. Repeat. Yeah, just a little more of that. Um, yeah, I think these are good enough until we get on the field and figure out what the team looks like. And if we're, if we're like taking a step back here and, and really going some perspective, um, it's not, this isn't going to like doom the season. No, I don't think. it's, it's going to make it significantly harder, but it's not like things aren't over. Honestly, sure. like when you lose a guy like Von Miller, you want to lose them early in the season so your team can figure out how to play without them. If, the, right. if it were December and say the Broncos were competing for a playoff spot and Von Miller goes down and he's been a big part of the defense all season, that's when you really freak out because you have to, as a team, they have to make a shift at a very critical moment. So at least like with Chubb's injury last year, they can sort of figure it out as they go. Um, losing Miller, though, it's like he's just been that piece 
every single year that you know is going to be there. He's always healthy. If he ever mm. is injured, it's minor. He plays all season. He plays well. It's just been that constant. So it's, you know, since, what was it, his was it his second season when he tore his ACL? His, uh, his third. Third season, yeah. So that was like the last time he had a major injury. Um, right. It was also the last time like he bulked up a little bit, and it looked like he kind of bulked up this offseason. Uh, I'm not saying that has anything to do with it, but as a man who studies other men's bodies all the time, mm-hmm. I noticed it. I noticed. Yeah, as a, as a hobby. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he, he, I think he had to take down his one of his pictures where he he showed like his body transformation. Oh. He was in those like tight gray shorts, and you could just see his his dick outline so clearly. <laughs> and everybody was just like pointing out his dick the whole time instead of his jacked muscles that he was trying to be proud of. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be uh, gray is a dangerous color down there. Yeah, it provides a lot of contrast and, and can lead to to those kinds of revelations shall exactly. we say um but yeah i mean what we've talked about is obviously this is the reason you spend a number five overall pick on someone like bradley chubb and we're right. really really hoping that he's going to be you know recovered fully by either Monday night or week two or whenever, but, um, yeah, you know, that it'd be nice to have a guy like Shaq Barrett, but obviously that wasn't, uh, something that was going to be sustainable as far as roster building. And you have to hang on to a guy like Vaughn Miller. Um, but it's another reason why you cultivate talent behind them, like Malik Reed, who I think, uh, was really coming on. I thought at the end of last season played pretty well at the beginning and then um at the end had a sack in that Detroit game I should mention too that they played a full game without Von Miller last year for the first time in a long time and they ended up getting four sacks played pretty well as a defense albeit against the Lions and David Blau but you know other guys stepped up like Draymond Jones had two and a half sacks in that game uh like I said Malik Reed had a sack and I think it's, it's just going to force everyone to contribute a little bit there's not going to be one player that steps up like Malik Reed's not going to randomly have 14 sacks this year it'd be cool if he did but he's not going to play like Von Miller so you just have to get a little more production out of Gerald Casey Draymond Jones Shelby Harris Chubb um everyone who they used quite a bit like I felt like they used him late well did he only play yeah, they used him towards the end of the season more, I thought. They um, did. And he seemed to play well when he was uh, in the lineup. Yeah, he was getting like 40-plus snaps from week seven – or from weeks 11 to, to 16. So uh, he's the other guy that's you know, might be a key piece that fills in. He's also – not going to get, you know, 10 plus sacks. Maybe Bradley Chubb is able to be that guy who gets you those nice sack numbers and you pair off like other guys in there. Um, I think Jarrell Casey will be an improvement over Derek Wolf. And that's like hard to even say, but I think mm-hmm. what he might do on the, the edge over there might open up yeah. 
more, you know, actual sack opportunities, whoever they, they end up playing on his side, if that is Malik Reed, or I don't know if they're going to ask Chubb to play on that other side or how they're going to do it. But um, yeah, it's uh, you just hope for the best there. And you hope that the secondary is solid and maybe if coverage is strong, which I think it could be this season that it creates, you know, better play at the line of scrimmage in the absence of, of a guy like Vaughn. And there's, there is a chance right now, again, we're still waiting that Vaughn could return this season. They're saying maybe his best recovery time, three months. Uh, Optimistic. Optimistically. Like, I guess it's a a tendon that flipped over to the other side of the ankle or some shit. Uh, So they got to maybe put that back on the correct side. Uh, I don't know how that works. Uh, but Sean Drotar brought up an interesting thing and uh, as an opportunity for the Broncos to sort of restructure Von Miller's contract to keep him in Denver long-term, but sort of shrink, I think, the, the 2021 cap hit he's going to have and get him more yep. money later, uh, which is an idea I like um, because I do think this is a freak sort of accident. Like everybody said, it was a non-contact play. There weren't pads at practice. He just stepped on his ankle wrong, and it happened. So I don't think it's like a sign of his body starting to just deteriorate. No. Uh, just like a – Right. There could be something to what you said, too, about bulking up and kind of not being able to – your legs not quite be able to handle that kind of like extra 15 pounds. Yeah, maybe. Freshman. That's the real thing. Um, but then again, like it hap- people do that all the time, and there's a ton of bad luck involved in there too. It, it's not like it was a ticking time bomb waiting to go off, um, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, I think the the whole kind of opportunity to keep him here long term, which I, I mean, obviously I hope happens, um, is real. And I, I don't think he's one of those players that is going to slow down just at like right after he hits 30 or, or year 10 or whatever, Mark, I think he's a guy like, like Suggs, Cameron Wake, who can play into his late thirties. Yeah. And, and another, you know, 40, 50 sacks. He, he seems like the type of guy who like genuinely enjoys being out there. So yeah. like, those are the guys that will play that long. Like he's, he's made all his money, but it, if that's the other thing that sucks. Cause it felt like he was, really excited about this season and had worked so hard on like his body and getting uh, in in the type of shape he wanted to be in that it felt like he was going to have a big year. And I don't even want to say like a bounce back year because, you know, he played well last year, but I I think like he was going to have more sacks. Like he was going to have more of the sexy stats that everybody sort of notices this year. And I felt like people were going to be talking about Von Miller sort of I don't know, taking over games again. But, you know, and that's optim- optimism from a Broncos fan. But That's all – hey, that's the six coping strategy is what we're trying to build towards, which is optimism. Right. Um, but they do have some options possibly at their disposal. I don't know if anyone's going to get here before Monday, but um, we brought up the old-ass free agents, which I don't know. I mean – you want to bring in someone like Cameron Wake, who had two and a half sacks last year and kind of limited snaps as a as a pass rushing specialist, then you know maybe you could do that. He played for Tennessee last year uh, in a limited role, and he's 38 this year. But 
Um, I, I saw someone bring up a guy like Ryan Kerrigan, who um, took kind of a step back a little bit last season. But the fact of the matter is Washington has so many good pass rushers, and they're not trying to compete this year. So it would make sense, I think, from their perspective to send Ryan Kerrigan away in a trade, get a pick back, and kind of roll with obviously Chase Young is the big one. Matt Ioannidis is a really good player on the interior. Yeah, Montez Sweat, he drafted in the first round uh, two years ago, who had seven sacks last year. Uh, and then Jonathan Allen. Like, I, I think you're pretty pretty damn good there, uh, throwing right. a few sacks and Ryan but Anderson on the outside. If Washington's smart, they'll realize you can never have enough depth at the pass rusher position for situations like this. But uh, right. you put it in the rundown, and I think I saw somebody tweet about it too. And so, like, I just looked – Tried to look up at, you know, Ryan Kerrigan's stats. And uh, he had seven sacks last season. So that kind of fits the, the, the area we're talking about where you're not looking for a guy to come in that's going to get you 15 sacks. But seven no. sacks is nice. It was like a drop 14 and 18 the year before. But the thing I thought about was Washington's defense was just bad last year. And specifically, their secondary was terrible. And when your secondary is terrible, it really affects, I think, your pass rushers because you're not buying them any extra time to get sacks. So uh, I'm not going to pretend like I've watched enough Washington football to know whether or not Kerrigan actually got a little bit worse. But my theory is if you put him on a better defense, like he might be a 10-sack player again this yeah. season. So I think that is an interesting option for the Broncos if – if it's more than just somebody on Twitter floated the idea and everybody, you know, liked it, which I don't know. Right. And, you know, something Chris brought up too was that, you know, everyone's kind of yearning for that Chubb Miller bookend situation. Like we had uh, Chubb's rookie season. But the fact of the matter is they combined for 26 sacks that year. And that wasn't like a very good defense. No. I know the reason that they went six and 10, um, was because they were pretty much bad overall. They were really bad on offense. But having, you know, having two good pass rushers, it's not the most important uh, position on the team, I don't think. There's a lot of people now that think that you play defense from the outside in, and the secondary is the most important facet of your defense. and Because you can scheme – away from pass rushers and pass rushers can get taken out of the game, but you can't scheme away from great cover corners, great safeties. Like right. they're there no matter what, if you want to scheme away from them, fine. But that means you have to just avoid that side of the field. And so maybe a guy like Von Miller, great, as good as he is at his position, isn't as valuable as Justin Simmons or AJ Boyer or Bryce Callahan this year. Um, Again, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for optimism here. Uh, yeah. And well, I'm trying to talk myself into it as well as you. But that's, that's, that's the that's tricky the part because Vic Fangio asks a lot of his outside linebackers, right? And part of the mm -hmm. reason, you know, Von Miller's sack numbers weren't maybe as high last year is because he was probably doing a little bit more than just pass rushing, whether that's, you know, dropping off in coverage more often or whatever the hell, you know, they do. So 
maybe you can get away with, you know, I don't know, scheming that way where you're not even utilizing two edge rushers every play. And it's more of like an extra safety or corner on the field, like you're saying, to disguise into covering or using those guys to blitz uh, sporadically. So, yeah, Bryce Callahan had um, he's a he's a good. I was gonna say four and a half. That was what Logan Ryan had in terms of sacks last year. But the the Bears used him. Obviously, Vic Fangio used him to to blitz from that nickel position quite a bit. And so that's the thing is like they're gonna have to be a little more creative on defense. They're gonna have to be a little more aggressive and blitz a little bit more. Uh, and they're gonna have to be more aggressive on offense. And I think we wanted them to be more aggressive on offense regardless, but this kind of underscores it. And this, um, you know, puts the, puts the emphasis on, you know, we got to score three or four po- three or four more points a game, I think. Yeah. And, and I, I um, think the Broncos offense is going to be capable. They should be able to. That's the thing is um, how do you pick up the slack on defense is you score a few more points. Yeah, that's really all it comes down to. I think three or four more points more. per game, and they probably win like three or four more games last year, right? Right. Yeah. No, it makes it makes a massive difference. Um, and I know people were saying like this isn't the year we contend, but it can be. Anything can happen. It's the year they get back in the playoffs. I feel like. Um, I agree. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think this makes them. If you thought they were a playoff team before this. Unless you thought they're really just sneaking in, um, I don't think this should dissuade you from thinking they grab a wild card spot, especially in a year where there's 14 playoff teams overall. Yeah, this should be the most complete Broncos team we've watched uh, since Peyton Manning was healthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there should be. It's, we don't know, but it doesn't feel like the defense is going to be bad. It doesn't feel like the offense is going to be bad, and special teams is should be solid, you know what I mean? Like, I think the punter's going to be better. McManus is always pretty even-keeled. And Deontay Spencer, like, they finally have a punt returner. So, every level of the Broncos should be at least uh, average, if not above average. So, uh, and, and I think there's potential in any of those to be great. If you if you get one side of the ball to be – take a big leap this year, you want it to be the offense anyway. So – yeah, and we can't, like, pretend like this news didn't just totally rain on our parade. No, it did. Kind of, you and I were both very, very, like, excited about the season. And especially yeah. just, like, everything that's been going on this whole year. We needed this. We needed just, like – it was such, a, like, a nice thing to look forward to. Oh, my God. Um, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't erase that fact until proven otherwise. And even then, you know, it, it's so good to just have football back. There's um, – there's always a little bit of dread, uh, I feel, when September comes because my life gets turned upside down with work. Uh, I have not felt that this year. Right, because like, the that's last That's how much four more years, excited I am about football. Yeah. Right, and we feel like we, we can this year. Um, and, and so I don't – yeah, don't, don't jump off that bridge quite yet. If I can steal from Barack Obama, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Right? That was one of their slogans, right? Change. Something like that. Yeah, we'll change. And I think. Yes, we can change. Yes. All right. Well, we got. Let's. Unless they're going to hammer straight through my wall. 
Um, let's talk about the depth chart because there are 52 other guys not named Von Miller on the team. <laughs> Wait, to be, what? To be 53, believe it or not. So um, some kind of interesting things I thought on the depth chart. Nothing crazy, with, but some nothing interesting. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. We didn't have it listed, but just like a, an, a solid congrats to, to Jake Butt for battling back. Yeah. And making the team as the third tight end. He is somebody I'm really excited to watch this year, and I will be rooting for him to excel uh, with all my tiny little heart. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, along with the guys that we mentioned earlier, a Jake Butt, I don't even want to say it, but I'm knocking on wood right now. He is too. Um, a Jake Butt injury would be pretty fucking hard to swallow oh, too. Yeah. You'd Not feel in terms of so impact for, for the team necessarily, but just like on a human level, that would really suck. Um, but so Butt's a tight end. Uh, at center, they finally have a rookie. For the first time since 2010, they have a rookie starter at center, Lloyd Cushenberry. Right. We'll be snapping the ball to Drew Locke this season. He was their third-round pick out of LSU. Uh, hearing good things, obviously, um, good enough to start. Um, Graham Glasgow. about his intelligence, too, which is yes. always, like, a good sign for a center. Yeah, and he was a starter on one of the best college football teams of all time last year. Yeah. And so uh, he's got plenty of experience. He, he was a starter there for two years. And um, no, I like, I like the move. I like how bold they are, just plugging them in there. I think Reisner, Cushenberry, and uh, Glasgow is a pretty strong interior. Yeah, I'm optimistic about the interior. Uh, we've already talked about, you know, question marks at tackles. We'll see how that progresses. Yeah, the, uh, Elijah Wilkinson's the right tackle. I think we all kind yeah, of yeah. He was that. named starter. That's Mark not a Dotson surprise. You put hoping we never have to see DeMar Dotson. I hope so. Uh, uh, that is – that's uh, – that would mean that Wilkinson's just handling his business, playing well. Uh, again, I'm – they have a lot of tight ends, and if they want to play two right tackles, which was an idea we started thinking about back in the Michael Schofield days, go for no. it. <laughs> if you need to do it, go for it. But uh, I don't think they will with Drew Locke. Um, Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick, they named co-starters at wide receiver? Yeah, so they're going to be wearing one pair of pants. That means? Right. Two jerseys, though, that would be weird because you have to get the two numbers. But, the, yeah, they're going to be wearing one pair of pants and running the same route at the same time. Kind of like a stuck-on-me yeah, Matt Damon exactly situation at wide receiver. I don't know how it's going to work out, um, but I like that they're being creative. The other big uh, – this is at least on, uh, local radio talks about this almost every day. Uh, the Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon co-starting running back position, uh, they've made, like, such a big deal about it. And to me, as soon as they signed Melvin Gordon, like, this was going to be the plan. You're going to yeah. – you're going to use both running backs quite a bit, and you're going to figure out which one is playing well – either that day or which one provides like the best opportunity scheme wise against the defense they're facing because they're different running backs. Uh, so like 
that's not a surprise to me. I don't care who gets like the first carry or the first series. It's not disrespectful to Philip Lindsay or uh, Gordon. You have two good backs. Just fucking use them. And I hope the running game is better this year. Like that's all I care about. Like right. decent yeah. last year, but it needs to be better. And that's why you bring in a guy like Gordon. And hopefully that's what happens. No, exactly. And again, just another reason I'm so glad that I don't have that logo radio to listen to here. Yeah, I don't listen to uh, much, but I've turned it on like two or three times so recently, much. and it's, I feel like it's always they're always talking about the running backs. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Phil Lindsay, Melvin Gordon's going to take a few of Phil Lindsay's carries, but he's really taking Royce Freeman's carries. Yeah. And he's taking Royce Freeman's third down snaps. That's what it comes down to. So, I, I wrote, is Royce Freeman going to see the field at all? Um, probably not much unless it's at the goal line or if one of them is out with an injury. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, and Freeman caught the majority of the passes too, um, but you'll probably see him about as much as you saw Devontae Booker, I feel like, unless right. you know, there's an injury. But if something happens to one of those guys, like I feel really good about Freeman coming in. So that's the nice part about that. Um, yeah, I feel okay with it. I mean, how many times did the Broncos have first and 10 last year and just handed up? the middle to to Freeman for a gain of one, you know? Yeah. They need I mean, to be more aggressive, and and I don't think Royce Freeman necessarily fits that kind of offense. I mean, he can catch a pass out of the backfield. He's not exactly dynamic, but he's got good hands, and he can, he can plow it in from the one-yard line without fumbling uh, like Melvin Gordon. <laughs> he's the Broncos' Leonard Fournette. Hmm. He just I'm doesn't okay get the that. opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Uh, any other any other surprises on no. the depth chart? No, we I kind of talked a lot about Todd Davis earlier. Josie Jewell's taking his spot, and Todd Davis, nobody's claimed him, so uh, he's still a free agent, or not claimed him, but nobody signed him. He's still a free yeah. agent. Uh, the Broncos got Bosby back. So after I shit on the Broncos nice. for getting rid of nice. Todd Davis and Bosby, Bosby's on the practice squad, which is nice. Uh, I still think they would be better if they had Todd Davis on the roster because Mark Barron has a hamstring issue already, and uh, I don't think he's playing Monday. So, again, whatever. Maybe, like, there's something about Todd Davis I don't know. I just think he would have made the linebacker position group stronger. But uh, – I guess I'll be watching Jesse Jewell closely on uh, Monday night. Yeah, I don't think it's an ideal situation. It's a mistake. I'm going to notice it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I wrote about it in our preview, but the run game – or the run defense, I should say, didn't get better because Todd Davis came back. Todd Davis was in that Jacksonville game where Leonard Fournette ran for 220 yards. The reason the run defense got better was because they took Mike Purcell off the practice squad and put him in a nose tackle and took Alexander Johnson, the osteoporosis bus driver, and plugged him at inside linebacker. That was the difference. Yeah. It, it wasn't Todd Davis necessarily. So Alexander Johnson is still one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, we haven't really talked about him that much just because he's so steady. There's not a ton to talk about. Um, he's but in the he's preview gonna, episode. going to make a big difference there. Yes, it's true. Yeah. Um, and another thing I wanted to say is just the wide receivers. Um, pretty strong. 
you know, I think we'll see a, a little bit of everyone. I don't know if KJ Hamler is going to be ready, but Tyree Cleveland made the roster, which I was a little surprised about given how deep they were at wide receiver. And they're, they're carrying, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, when you throw in Deontay Spencer as a returner at that position. Tyree Cleveland was uh, pretty impressive um, from what everyone said in training camp. We didn't really get to see it, but – he was impressive enough to make the roster in a season where it would have made sense to put him on a on an expanded practice squad. So they could have three really good rookie wide receivers on their hands. Maybe the best since, like, I don't know. Do you remember the 2010 Steelers with Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, and Antonio Brown? Oh, shit, yeah. That was, that was a, big, uh, a big group. Yeah, and oh, by the, you know, oh, by the way, you have – Cortland Sutton, a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. So I think that's a big it's, – it's a big strength. It's gone from a weakness to one of the best position groups on the team. Yeah, and that's not even like thinking about that the tight ends could be great too. So Pretty much the whole passing game. Is Drew Lock going to pass for 6,000 yards? You heard it here Probably. first. Probably. 6,000-yard Drew Locke is what they'll call him. Uh, okay. <laughs> Lock it up, baby. Lock it up. Uh, yeah, what's the prediction episode? Beck. What's that? 2,000 of those yards going to Andrew Beck. <laughs> well, however oh. they want to get it, I don't care. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll do the Titans-Broncos uh, prediction episode. will be coming up in a couple days uh, here on this channel. Um, Akib Tlaib retired. I think that's like the last thing. Uh, your question, is he a Hall of Famer? Yeah, what do you think? I'd put him in. I'd put him in too. I don't think it's going to happen though because um, I think a lot of people don't like him. I think he needed to get that 11th pick six to be tied in first place, right? He was just one away from tying Rod Woods or one of the Woodsons, whatever Woodson. I mean, we talk about like how, how inflated – quarterback numbers are now but like corner cornerback and defensive back stats were so inflated back in the day too because every quarterback was throwing 20 interceptions a year like you got like guys like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson who throw like three picks a year now and we expect these guys to to have double digit interceptions it's not going to happen 35 inter interceptions from 2008 through 2020 is uh, impressive especially when you know, out of one out of every three, you take back for a touchdown. Yeah, I think he was as good as any quarter uh, cornerback uh, in his prime. You know, over the last yep. fifteen years, so I'd put him in, but I'm biased uh, because I love him. Uh, yep, I am too. He started it. He's got a podcast he's doing now. Um, he's our rival. Yeah, he's. Uh, he Agrees to come on. We got to take him down a notch, and then we get him on. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust us necessarily to win any sort of battle versus keep the lead. But all I know is, do not wear a chain and or necklace to the fight. Nope. You just hope yeah. Talib is the guy who brings the gun to the fight. <laughs> yeah, do the work for you. <laughs> Bring a knife to a gunfight against keep Talib. You're probably gonna win. You're gonna do fine. Yeah, <laughs> you're looking. You're looking good. 
All right. I think that's a good place to stop today's episode. Um, yeah. Again, Titans Broncos preview. I said we were going to talk about it. I don't know why I said that at the beginning, but uh, it'll be in the prediction episode because we got a lot of good shit in there. Uh, that's it. Okay. We did it. Bye. Yeah. We're hopping over to the uh, Patreon now. To do- oh, that's right. So for Patreon, uh, we'll be doing our NFL predictions uh, every week there. So mm-hmm. if you want to get in on that shiz, that's where it's going to be. There you go.